8. So Nahum 1, 7 and 8. This, uh, hear now the word of the Lord. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. But with an overflowing flood, he will make a complete end of the adversaries and will pursue his enemies into darkness. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we open uh, scripture today and we just pray that you speak to us through it. Um, we just pray that you, um, yeah, you open our hearts to hear um, parts of the Bible that we don't often go to, um, that we often neglect. And so we just, we pray um, just for wisdom as we, as, we, um, as we hear your word preached to us today. Um, and we just pray for our children as they go to, to Children's Church, God. Um, just stir in their hearts, do, do works in them through their teachers. Um, just teach them about you um, and, and open their hearts and bring them to greater and deeper knowledge of who you are, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Happy Sunday morning to you. Sunny, beautiful Sunday morning here. It's, uh, it's good to be together. Um, it, the, the, the lot was cast and uh, it fell to my lap to preach Nahum, and I am immensely glad that, um, that I have this privilege this morning to be able to uh, preach, as Isaac said, a, an often neglected part of God's Scripture, the, the, it's, and that's kind of what we're focusing on all summer, right? The Minor Prophets, this area maybe where the pages of your Bible are stuck together, um, uh, to our own loss, right? To, we, we lose out as we, as we uh, leave these portions of the Bible um, ourselves unacquainted with them. And so I, I want to help with that this morning. And what to take away for me right away, just so you know, like one, one of the things I'm so grateful for um, is, again, just the, the reassurance that, that all of Scripture is inspired by God. All of Scripture is able to make us wise for salvation in Jesus Christ. Um, Paul was right. Um, all of the Old Testament Scriptures, all of the New Testament Scriptures are, are powerful and used by God, uh, spoken out by God, um, taken up by God and applied to our hearts. So I'm, I'm eager. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, none of this is written down. I'm just, I just want to say I'm excited for the book of Nahum, and I want you to lean in with me. I, I'll tell you, though, once I uh, read through the book of Nahum, uh, um, once I revisited it, because I, I have read it before, uh, this time I've preached on it, but I, as, I, as I reopened the book of Nahum and I, and I read it, uh, I, I was kind of, ooh. I, wow, that's, that's heavy, is what I was feeling. I was like, man, that is a, that is a, 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 uh, a message of judgment. And, you know, it ends, if you have your Bible open, um, it, it, it ends with this taunt to the, the king of Assyria and the people of Assyria, um, where the, the, the prophet, inspired by God, in verse 18 of the last chapter, says, Your shepherds are asleep, O king of Assyria. Your nobles slumber. Your people are scattered on the mountains with none to gather them. There is no easing your hurt. Your wound is grievous. All who hear the news about you clap their hands over you. For upon whom has not come your unceasing evil? That's the end of the book. Just right there. Just it's done. So different from some of the other books that we've covered, there, it doesn't end with this 
kind of just ah, this reprieve of beautiful restoration and hope. It, it, it ends with this, this taunt that the Lord is going to bring this judgment on Assyria and, and all who hear about it and see it, they're going to celebrate. <laughs> people are going to rejoice in their pain and in their destruction. And so I left just kind of, whew, this is a heavy one. Um, so I uh, kept reading and kept reading and kept reading. And um, the good news is that Nahum, the message of Nahum, is good news. Is good news. But the message of Nahum is ultimately, it's a message of judgment. It's a message of judgment. So that begs the question, let me ask you this. Under what circumstances would you consider the judgment of God good news? Under what circumstances would you hear about the coming judgment of God and rejoice when you hear about the coming judgment of God? It's an interesting question to ask because uh, I think particularly in our culture, uh, we're a little bit averse. We brace at the, the news of the sure and certain and unflinching judgment of God that is promised to come. You start talking like that, and we start, you know, is that, I mean, at worst, it, it makes us flinch, or at best, it makes us flinch, and, and at worst, it, it feels, maybe to some of us, sub-Christian, right? Isn't Christianity all about love? Isn't Christianity all about acceptance, right? We, maybe we've drinking, uh, drink some of the waters of our culture these days and, and start to understand the message of the Bible through some of those maybe unnuanced, simplistic tones. But let me ask, in your mind, under what circumstances would the, the news that God is coming in judgment... In what circumstance would that be wonderful news to you? Liberating news to you? Well, friends, the message of Nahum was good news. It was a message of judgment, but it was meant to be good news. It was received as good news then, and it can be for us today as well. And, and here's why the message of judgment, of God's judgment, was good news. And so, there, I think there are two conditions that have to be in place for you, for anyone, to be able to rejoice at the news of God's coming judgment. Two conditions. Okay? Condition number one. The promise of God's judgment is good news when real evil enslaves us. When we are actually held captive by, by not just well-meaning but misguided forces, but when real evil has us in bondage. Okay, Number one. Number two, the, the promise of God's judgment is good news, obviously, when it delivers us rather than destroys us. Right? Obviously. Okay, let's look at these one at a time. The, the, the message of God's judgment is good news when real evil enslaves us. This was the situation that Judah found itself in, and that is who the, the prophet Nahum writes this, this letter to. It's, for, it's, it's, it's to uh, Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, but it's for the people of God in Judah. This book, written some 2,600 years ago, just three short chapters, is a divine prediction of the downfall of a powerful 
and infamously brutal empire. It predicted the fall of Nineveh, which happened in 612 B.C. So it was written before that, sometime between 650 and 612. It's an oracle oracle against Nineveh, the, the capital city of the Assyrian nation. Some of the people of Judah have been taken out of their home Uh, out of of their land and and exiled into Assyria. Others have remained in Judah, but they're still under the oppressive hand of the Assyrian overlords. The people of Judah are not free. But the news of Nineveh's complete destruction is received by the captive people of Judah as good news. Look at chapter 1, verse 15 with me. Behold, upon the mountains, the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace. Friends, the people of Judah, at this time in their history, they knew what it was like to be enslaved by an evil that was not just a manageable evil. It was not just an evil that you could negotiate with. But they knew what it was like to be enslaved by an evil that was stronger than them. And Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, was indeed a real evil that was stronger than the people of Judah. They were powerless. And this is an empire unlike any other in human history, actually. Uh, this, is a, this is an empire of people, the Assyrian people, who not only committed atrocious acts of brutality and cruelty, in mass proportions, right? So we, we, we see that hinted at in chapter 3, verse 19, the way, the way the book ends. For upon whom has not come your unceasing evil, right? Equal opportunity, cruelty here. To all the surrounding nations, they enslaved and tortured peoples. They, they were known for this. So they not only did that, but they gloried in it. Right? If they had an Instagram page, it would, it would not be of how awesome life was in Nineveh. The, the thing that excited the Assyrian people, the thing that they, they drew murals of and etched in stone was, was how cruel they were to the people that they enslaved. I've got some, there's some children in this room, so I'm not going to give any detail. But, but if, if, if you've heard about or seen, for instance, the beheadings by ISIS of various other religious people groups that's, that are displayed on YouTube, that actually, I haven't, I can't stomach that, it actually pales in comparison to the kind of murals that right now it would be kind of like us drawing stick figures, but as you look and see what's happening what they're celebrating on these murals of what they're doing to all the peoples that they're taking captive. It would, it would make your stomach turn. It, a simple Google search of Assyrian cruelty will, will give you all that you need, but I won't go into detail. Friends, these people were notorious. They were famous, infamous, right? For their absolute cruelty. This, the, the people of Judah... Were, were held captive to an evil that was too strong for them to free themselves of. 
And so the truth here, friends, is that when, when, when real evil does enslave us, the message of God's power, the message of the, the end of God's patience with this kind of nonsense means freedom, means freedom to those who are held captive to it. Now, we, we know that evil empires like the Assyrian Empire, uh, they, they rise and they fall, right? They were taken down by God's sovereign decree and another empire rose in its place. And we've seen this happen for the last 2,600 years. Empires rise and fall this way. We know from Judah's history, even though they were delivered from the, from the Assyrian people, we know that the greatest evil that they faced wasn't actually outside of them. In, the, in another people group or in another nation, 600 years later, it was the Roman Empire that still held them under their thumb. But the, the message of the Bible is that the, the, the greatest evil that enslaved the people of Israel was not outside of them. It happened to be inside of them. The message of the Bible, the message of Christianity is that Judah's captivity to the evil Assyrian Empire, while, empire, while, while real, it really did happen. This is not an allegory. While real is, is merely representative of our common captivity to sin, to evil. There's a sense in which every one of us is subject to an evil that's too strong for us to overcome by ourselves. There's a sense in which Judah's story is my story, is your story. In fact, this is an evil. The evil that, that we face is not fundamentally outside of us, but it's an evil that's inside of us. And this is what Christianity teaches, right? Real evil systems and real evil governments ought to be opposed it doesn't say, it, it, Christianity doesn't teach that there aren't evils out there to address and to militate against and to subvert. Real action does need to be taken to stop Stalins and Hitlers and the like. But real evil would not flash and flare over the course of human history if it wasn't present and potential in every human heart. Jesus said, 600 years later, after this book was written, Jesus said that anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Anyone who sins, in other words, it's not just a one-off. It's not accidental. You're actually held captive to it. The message of Christianity is good news to us when we're honest enough to admit that a real evil does, in fact, enslave us. Judah's situation, while real, was a picture of humanity's plight. Friends, the Assyrian Empire would fall by by God's power, but but as I I just mentioned, um, Judah's real problem was the, the evil that was inside of them. So this is why 600 years later, Jesus came and didn't necessarily preach a message of deliverance from foreign power, did he? He preached a message of repentance. 
Because the problem isn't out there, the problem's here, the problem's me. I love this. So, I mean, if, if, if the people of Judah's situation is, is a picture of what's, what our situation is, I mean, think about this. God decreed judgment on the Assyrian Empire when it was doing its worst to wreak havoc on the people of God. Look at um, chapter 1 in Nahum, verse 12. Thus says the Lord, though they are at full strength and many, they will be cut down and pass away. So what happens here? God comes to the people of Judah. He, God comes to a captive people when, when real evil is doing its worst and it's here that God delivers them. It's here that God brings to nothing the wisdom and the strength of this, this evil power that's ensnaring them. For, for even the weakness of God, as Paul says, is stronger than the full strength of the world's evil. This is incredibly good news. It means that if, you, if, if in your life, evil has absolutely had its way with you, if the evil outside of you in the world has had its way with you, when it has been at full strength and full number and many, it is not too strong for God to deliver. When the evil inside of you is at full strength and many, God is not limited in power. To, to come and deliver. Maybe the evil that is in you has taken a devastating toll on your life. What the, what the message here, friends, is that God doesn't need you to make sure that you're, you get your sin into a manageable position. You don't need to, to clean yourself up before God is able to come in power to deliver you from it. The God of the Bible doesn't need us to get the evil that enslaves us in check before he comes to deal with it. When the evil of your heart is at its peak, God can rescue our captive and powerless hearts. That was good news maybe before you came to Christ, when you came to Christ. It's good news 30 years in. It's good news for me 20 years in. The judgment of God can be good news for you too. So this is what we've seen so far. When, under what circumstances can the judgment of God be good news for us? Well, it's good news to people who recognize that they are enslaved by an evil that's too strong for them, that's too powerful for them. The judgment of God is good news. It was good news to the people of Judah. It can be good news to us too if we recognize that. Second, the judgment of God is good news when it delivers us rather than destroys us. The situation of the people of Judah was a, was a precarious situation. If you remember, or, or, or maybe you don't, the, the people of Israel were in a difficult time in their history. And they were ultimately in a, in a season of rebellion against God. They had broken covenant with God. They'd, they had committed a kind of spiritual adultery. They had gone after other gods, the, the gods of other peoples around them. They've, there's infighting and dissension and not multiplication, but splits, right? Divisions. There's, there's, it was at a, a, an ugly place and they 
were, were the reason they were in captivity in Assyria wasn't, they weren't just victims here, right? They were actually complicit with the evil of Assyria. They were deceived by it. They were enticed by it. They were, in the words of Nahum, willingly allured by the deadly charms of Nineveh. But the news of Nahum was that the judgment of God would work for their deliverance rather than their destruction. I mean, if you just know anything about the context of, of the people of Judah during this time, to read three chapters in Nahum where God merely, it's, it's all we're reading here, is that God is going to judge the Assyrian Empire. If you know that you've gotten yourself into this mess by your own doing, by your own compromise, by your own sinful, unbelieving heart, and you hear a message that God is, is, is going to come with unmistakable power and rescue you from all of your enemies, what does that feel like to you? Well, it's, it's not merely freedom, is it? It's grace. It's grace. It's unadulterated grace. It's unfiltered grace grace that the people of Judah, as they hear the announcement of judgment, that this judgment is actually not going to be against them, but it's going to be for them. It's going to be for their deliverance rather than their destruction. The, the, news, of that, uh, the news of that judgment is exceedingly good news for the people of Israel. You read in chapter one, excuse me, in chapter two, verse two, that this judgment that God is going to bring on the people of Assyria is going to work for their restoration. Chapter two, verse two, for the Lord is restoring the majesty of Jacob as the majesty of Israel. For plunderers have plundered them and ruined their branches. That's what this judgment of God means for the people of Israel, for the people of Judah to be specific. The the people of Judah didn't deserve to be delivered by the power of God, but God's power was leveraged for them rather than against them. And friends, this is absolutely unbelievable. So it's, it's one thing for the judgment of God to deliver us from evil when it's outside of us, right? That was the, really the situation of uh, the people of Judah in the time of Nahum, right? We needed to be delivered from the, 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 the people of Assyria, and God was going right to the heart of that with the people of Nineveh. It's one thing for, for, for God to, His judgment to deliver us from this threat that's outside of us, but what if the evil is inside of us? How do we experience God's judgment as deliverance if the main evil we face isn't that nation outside of us, but it's the evil that we face inside of us? How, how, how can you and I experience the judgment of God as deliverance, the judgment of God as deliverance from our own evil? How can God's power be for my good when the problem's not out there, but the problem's me. Well, I actually think this gets us, as, I mean, I just, as, as we meditate, I mean, this is, what, this is what's going on in the book of Nahum. As we, as we meditate on this book, 
Like this, what we, what we, the, the situation here actually brings us front and center to the message of Christianity, to the message of the gospel. How, how can those held captive to, to evil experience the just judgment of God as good news rather than as a complete and devastating end of ourselves? Well, the message of the Bible from beginning to end is not that God helps those who help themselves. but rather that God helps those who admit that they cannot help themselves. So we give young adults the advice to, we hear this all the time, right? I feel like I, I have a, if I had a nickel for every time I've heard this, we tell people to pursue what you're passionate about. What are you passionate about? Well, pursue that. What, do you, what makes you most happy? And it's good advice, right? Well, friends, did you know that what makes God most happy, what actually makes His heart beat faster is helping those who can't help themselves. And he's made an awesome career of it since the beginning of time. God is all about helping. God is all about delivering those who cannot deliver themselves from evil, from the evil out there and from the evil within. The power and goodness of God is on display when helpless people like us feel his power. His present help. The message of the gospel is that there is a way for evil people to be delivered by the judgment of God rather than to be destroyed by it. 600 years after the fall of the Assyrian Empire, evil was again at full strength in many. And when evil was at its height, the Son of God came and He became a human. And He so identified as a human with sinful humanity that the judgment of God fell on him instead of us. Friends, the death of Jesus for us is the way that the judgment of God can actually be worked for our deliverance rather than for our destruction. God promised to make a public spectacle of Nineveh's evil. 600 years later, God did make a public spectacle of the worst of human evil on the cross of His Son. So according to Nahum, how, how could the people of Judah get in on this deliverance? This is interesting, right? Like God, The judgment of God brought about their deliverance when it should have destroyed them. Well, how, how did that happen? What did they do? Was it, was it because of their ethnicity? Was it because they were the children of Abraham by race. No. It wasn't because of their ethnicity. It's not because of their Jewishness. It's not because of our Western culture that we experience the saving mercy of God. Well, was it because of their obedience? Maybe, maybe God saved. Maybe we experience God's judgment as deliverance if we kind of get our act together, if we start attending church, if we start listening to different music, if we just whatever that list is for you. Is it, is it through obedience? No, how do, we, how do we experience the judgment of God as deliverance rather than as destruction? <laughs> Well, friends, the God of the Bible is the same yesterday, today, and and forever. And the God of the Bible saves the same way yesterday, 
today and forever. And so let's look just for a moment here before we close at how God, how, how the people of Judah got in on this delivering judgment of God. How do, how do they access it? How do they experience it? Look with me at the passage that Isaac read in chapter 1, verse 6. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire. And the rocks are broken into pieces by him. The Lord is good. A stronghold in a day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. Friends, it has been this way since the beginning. We are saved not by our ethnicity, not by our tax bracket, not by our obedience, and not by our lack thereof. The message of the gospel is that we can be saved. We can be spared the just judgment of God by faith by simply making God our stronghold, by simply hurling ourselves into the Lord Jesus Christ for refuge. It's the same for the people of Judah in the day of Nahum as it is for you and for me. The death of Jesus will mean deliverance for you if the Lord Jesus is your stronghold. Now what is a stronghold? If you think about this, strongholds are really helpful in times of natural disaster and in times of war. And what do you do with a stronghold? Well, a stronghold is something that you hide in. You don't have to, to be able to draw up a blueprint of the stronghold. You don't have to be able to build the stronghold. You simply have to hurl yourself inside of the stronghold to experience the benefit of the stronghold. The stronghold's not there for you to experience once. As long as it is a stronghold, you can find refuge inside of it. A stronghold is a safe place to hide in times of uh, in, in times of trouble the cool thing about a stronghold is we were thinking about this earlier um this past year for us a, a stronghold or a refuge or a shelter can save your life in a storm whether you're perfectly calm inside of that stronghold or whether you're sobbing all you have to do is be inside of that stronghold. All you have to do is find shelter in the refuge. You don't have to be able to articulate how it saved you. You don't have to be able to, to, to teach about the, the recipe that makes that stronghold sturdy. You just have to know from experience that it's safe inside of that stronghold. That's the way the people of Judah were going to be saved from the, the just judgment of God that they were actually complicit in. They were charmed by the evil of the Assyrian Empire. 
But God comes to them and God announces judgment on their enemies and not deliverance for those who are perfectly righteous, but he announces deliverance for those who simply find their life hidden in the Lord Himself, whom we know as the Lord Jesus, the crucified and resurrected One. Who can stand before His indignation? Who can endure the heat of His anger? His wrath is poured out like fire and the rocks are broken into pieces. The Lord is good. Nahum is good news. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who takes refuge who take refuge in him friends the lord knows those who take refuge in him You're, if you find refuge in jesus christ maybe for the first time or yet again this morning and your whole family this whole world hates you because of it rejects you because of it friends the lord knows those who take refuge in him the lord sees you Scriptures say that you are the apple of His eye and that His love is toward you. The Lord knows those who take refuge in Him. God sees you and He delights in you even in your weak and in your trembling faith. Friends, the, the, the people of Judah in the time of Nahum we're in a very painful and scary situation. And when God showed up, He pronounced through the prophet Nahum judgment. And it was good news to them. Why? Because they weren't deceiving themselves. They, were, they recognized that the, they were in, totally enslaved by evil. Totally enslaved by evil that they had gotten themselves into. And, and this, this message of God's judgment was good news to them. Because it wasn't news of their destruction, but somehow, because of God's sheer mercy and kindness, instead of, instead of being destroyed by it, they were delivered by it. Is that not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? We have totally gotten ourselves into an absolute mess by our own evil inside of us. But God has pronounced judgment, a saving judgment, not on us, but on His Son, and it will deliver us forever. All we need to do is hurl ourselves into the refuge of the Son of God. That's not the message of the Gospel for the, merely the beginning of the Christian life, but that's the message of the Gospel for whatever you're facing right now. Amen? Amen. Let's pray and have the worship team come and help us sing about this deliverance. Okay, Father, thank You for Your Son. We love Him. We love Him. The, the, the people of Judah in the time of Nahum, though they didn't know the name of Jesus, they experienced the, the, the saving help of Jesus through this prophecy. They experienced the God who saves us from enemies, from evils that are too strong for us to deliver ourselves from. And so, Father, would You come and in power and in grace, come and help Your people to feel Your deliverance this morning in ways that maybe we haven't before. Lord, we know that You are glorified not through just our mental ascent to Your delivering power, but through our enjoyment, through our present enjoyment of Your delivering 
grace. And so help us this morning to enjoy, to feel, to encounter the God of Jesus Christ and the the delivering grace that he brings uh, through the judgment that we see poured out on him at the cross. This is good news. It's good news to me. I'm fumbling my way through the message of Nahum and the message of the gospel week by week. Lord, but you're opening our eyes to it. And for that, we're grateful. In your son's name we pray. Amen.